This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. In a world where overspending, debt, and keeping up with the Joneses rules us all, where the voices from the merchants, restaurants, and credit companies lord over the common man, out of the darkness, like a beacon of hope, comes a new voice, a voice that's rich and creamy, like your favorite butter, and delicious, like cheeseburger pizza on your diet cheat day. It's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you mastered Investments 101 and now you're ready for the next level, well, today we welcome CBS business analyst and host of the Jill on Money show, Jill Schlesinger, for Investments 201. Folks, class is in session. Plus, what's up with restaurants like Starbucks pushing gift cards? You might be surprised to learn how they make a latte money in today's headlines. See what I did there? And of course, we'll still manage to toss out the Haven Lifeline to Jeff, who has a question about maintaining motivation. And just when you're falling asleep from all that boring financial stuff, I'll swoop in to save the show with my captivating trivia. And now, two guys who weren't even ready for investing 101, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. Mutual funds is hard, is very hard. 16 years, financial advising, still no idea what the heck's going on. I saw an interesting stat today about mutual funds and that there's over 5,000 mutual fund managers that have $0 invested in their own fund. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yes, you're kidding? Oh, sorry. No, no, not kidding. <laughs> my bad. What day is it? Who's on That's first? All right. Welcome to Monday. If you ah, didn't know it was go. Monday before now, you know now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me, still trying to wake up, it's my friend OG. You're not wrong. I'm on my second cup of Joe. How about you? 5,000 dudes not eating their own cooking. Mm-hmm. That's kind of disgusting. Yeah, the stat was something like, and I'm I'm rounding like a thousand a thousand mutual fund managers had over a million invested in their own stuff, and five thousand had zero. Oh my, good enough for thee, but not for me. You know something we're invested in? We get invested you, in these. America. <laughs> you. <laughs> we get invested in these great roundtable discussions we have every Friday here, and if you like those, you're going to love the Earn and Invest podcast because our friend Doc G has roundtable discussions every Friday. Another great Stacking Benjamins podcast, Earn and Invest. You'll find it wherever you're listening to this show. Hey, we got a great show. The amazing Jill Schlesinger, CBS business analyst and the host of my favorite money podcast. And actually, it's funny. I even like the radio show better than the podcast. But Jill on Money, fantastic. Jill and Mark over there. If you haven't heard them, you're about to hear some Jill today talking about now that we got invested, what do we do next? So if we know to put money into a fund or an exchange traded fund, but we're not sure exactly what to do next, how do we do that? We're talking investing 201 with Jill 
But first, we've got some headlines, so let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Investment News and is written by Bruce Kelly. LPL Financial last Monday morning confirmed it had halted access to a reporting tool that's part of Morningstar Office, a suite of portfolio management tools for investment professionals at 25 offices due to concerns about client supervision and surveillance. With 17,000 reps and advisors, LPL told advisors of the change near the start of the month. The announcement became public last Friday when an industry attorney, Max Schatzwow, wrote a blog that said LPL was cutting advisors' ability to use Morningstar products in general, a clear overstatement of the change. Amazing. Reporter overstated something? That never happens. No. He later updated the blog to correct the scope of the decision. LPL had issue with its ability to conduct surveillance of accounts using the specific Morningstar product. The firm is not cutting ties with Morningstar's broad array of products and applications and is working with the mutual fund tracker to determine if there's a solution to address the current concerns. Uh, let's talk about this for a second, OG, because when I first read this headline, I thought LPL Financial not using Morningstar. Morningstar, by the way, for people that don't know, is most industry professionals' favorite tool, third-party tool to go out and analyze positions. So you can look into mutual funds, you can look into exchange-traded funds, you can now even look into stocks, although I'd say Morningstar, as much as I love them, not as great at stocks as they are mutual funds and ETFs. But uh, definitely, when you're looking at analyzing somebody's portfolio, something that business insiders use consistently. By the way, it's free, so much of it you can use as well. However, there are very robust tools people use, and I thought, LPL's not letting them use Morningstar? That's crazy. But then I found this is a different story, OG. They're talking about performance data from a different tool, a professional tool that you can purchase if you're an investment firm called Morningstar Office. Yeah, and I want to go into this one sentence. LPL had issue with its ability to conduct surveillance of accounts using the specific Morningstar product. A lot of people hear that and they go, Surve I don't want Big Brother looking at my accounts. Surveillance. In this case, you do. This might be, by the way, the number one thing that's probably good, I'm going to say, about working with a big firm, right? The fact that you've got somebody looking over your advisor's head, uh, making sure that things are going to be okay. Yeah. In particular, so Morningstar Office is a subscription-based product that you can buy if you're an investment firm and you can, uh, you can use that to run your performance calculations. So they're very technical. You might just say, well, isn't it just as simple as saying, well, I put money in on January 1st, at the end of the year, I just figure out how much money I made and just kind of divide that out and say, what was what was the return? I wish it was that simple because most people have contributions throughout the year. They have withdrawals, there's dividends, there's advisor fees that come out and all of that needs to get calculated on a daily basis and then add it all together. And uh, so companies sell this uh, performance software. Uh, the problem is, is that with some tools and Morningstar Office is one of those, you can kind of go in there and Make some changes to it a little bit. If you're not liking what you see, you can say, ah, let's do that a little different. And now, frankly, anybody can do the game where you just show different dates. If I just show you your performance statement from March 24th till present, <laughs> looks amazing. <laughs> the day you the know. market hit bottom. Yeah, the day <laughs> yeah. after, yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, you're up 29%. What are you complaining about? So anybody can play that game, but when you start being able to manipulate the accounts or manipulate the data within there, that's a little bit of a problem. And I'm not suggesting for any, any minute that anybody at LPL was doing that. The problem that they're talking about is that their compliance people, the people who supervise all of the brokers at LPL, they had no ability to supervise what they were doing. So it sounds like out of an abundance of caution, they just said, well, we're not going to let you do that just in case. Yes, to keep them out of the news, right? I remember yeah. one time when, when I was at American Express, we had a gentleman come talk to us who had gone to jail. And he said, hey, when I got in trouble, my firm was right behind me. I look back behind me. They were way, 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 way back there, <laughs> meaning, <laughs> meaning the, the firm made sure that everybody knew that he was the problem and they were not. And in this case, if LPL can't do that, if they can't look over their shoulder, they certainly don't want to be in the news later. Yeah. 
That's a good thing, I think, for clients, right? I mean, this idea of compliance, I think, is something that you'll hear advisors talk about what a bare compliance is. You'll hear people talk about all the forms that they have to sign. But in some ways, while there have been some unintended consequences, OG, this is not a bad thing. Oversight is a very good thing for this industry. Yeah, especially in the broker world. The problem is, is that it's all lowest common denominator stuff. So they do tend to err on the side of, you know, in big organizations to be ultra, ultra, ultra conservative. Morningstar is a great tool and tons of firms use it for all of their all of their services of performance calculations and their and their reporting and all of that sort of stuff and and it's right i mean morningstar is not going to be able to sell the product if the calculations are incorrect so it's probably a little overkill but i get it from the lpl perspective they don't want you know just another thing that they have to try to keep track of sure. you know for a subset of people plus they make their own stuff you know they've got their own reporting tools that they want their brokers to use Why let somebody use something a little bit different? And that, by the way, is the other side of what I saw at compliance of a big company, because there is another side of this, which is I saw so many times, listen, I've been out of the field for a long time, so I don't know if this stuff happens anymore or not. But man, when I was there, there were so many things that were sold to us as compliance. You had to do it because it was compliance, where clearly it had a lot more to do with the sales machine. Yeah, there can be a lot of that too. Yeah. Interesting, though, a story about compliance. I love talking about stuff like this because people don't uh, know how advisor oversight works. And we finally got an article that in the news allowed us to talk about it. Hey, our second piece comes to us today from Moneyness. Starbucks Monetary Superpower is the name of the piece. The blogger at Moneyness wrote, I recently spent some time on Twitter discussing the monetary wonders of Starbucks In this post, I'll bring a bunch of tweets together into a single blog post. I don't go to Starbucks very often, so I've only recently learned the company has succeeded in getting many of its customers to stop using cash and debit or credit cards to buy coffee. Instead, they're using Starbucks' own payment option. Starbucks has around $1.6 billion in stored value card liabilities outstanding. This represents the sum of all physical gift cards held in customers' wallets, as well as the digital value of electronic balances held in the Starbucks mobile app. It amounts to about 6%, 6% of all the company's liabilities. What that means, OG, for people not following along very well at home, 6% of all the money that Starbucks has are coffees that people have already paid for, that they've loaded up onto their app, that they're going yep. to pay for later. Starbucks gets to use that money ahead of time to do whatever the hell they want with is, is the key to this post. How flippin' brilliant. Starbucks can fund expansion, can take care of employee issues, can make sure that they get the word out at important times about the company using your money before they deliver any good to you. So we're usually, I'll have to pay you for something and then you get the money. No, you're giving me the money ahead of time. How great is that? It's even better because you're not paying any interest on the money. Right. So you could go to the bank and do that same deal, but it's but you got to pay interest along the way. Here, you just let OG fill up his Starbucks card for, you know, 100 bucks, and that 100 bucks just sits in your bank account until until OG gets enough coffee. And guess what the other side of this is? There's a certain amount of people who forget that they have Starbucks cards. I was just looking on my kitchen counter the other day. I've got a stack of gift cards, probably an inch and a half thick of Outback, Red Lobster, (laughs) Starbucks, Best Buy, Walmart, you know, just whatever. However they came, gifts and that sort of thing. I don't have any idea if any of those are worth anything. That's just all just sitting there, free money for for those organizations. Yeah, Cheryl uses the app, the Starbucks app. When we pull in there from time to time, she'll just hand me her phone and we always have 10 to $15 that we've given to Starbucks. I mean, just imagine the CFO. How brilliant is this? Hmm. We can go to the bank and take out a loan or we can make this product that people are going to think is incredibly convenient. (laughs) But once you get past the development cost, which in the big scheme of things, this is 6% of all the money Starbucks has. This is an incredible, incredible deal for them. I was thinking we should do the same thing for stacking Benjamins. Everybody should pay us now for the shows that we might make, you know, like in 2023. A stacking Benjamin stored value card. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get two stars 
you get you get double points basically if you if you load it up now. Like if you load up in your podcast player all of the podcasts in advance, <laughs> then you get double points. So and and if you get enough points, then you get a free podcast. Yeah. Once you so. get to a thousand points. Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, you don't have to be deep. You don't have to be that. No. I mean, like 500 points. Okay, 500. We'll, we'll figure it out. But we'll start the app. You guys load it up with podcasts, and then someday we'll make them. I think this is a great lesson. If we're going to call this a case study, this is a great lesson for people. And I'm sure you see this all the time, OG. You're meeting with somebody, and they're looking at a problem very myopically, right? They're looking at it just one way, no idea that there's another way. But there always is another way to handle a financial problem, to handle an issue where a lot of companies go to the bank. Starbucks went to their customers. If you're not making enough money at work, you have several options. You can, number one, go to your boss for a raise. Number two, start a side hustle. Number three, make your kids start a side hustle so you don't have to work. I like it. That's there's, what I'm going there's, with. You can win the lottery. There's that one. You've got all kinds of all kinds of options, but seriously, the statistics show that most people don't ask their boss for a raise, and that's why their boss doesn't give them one. But there's still fifty ways to to have more money coming in the front door. Yeah, I think that's lesson number one. Lesson number two is compliance and oversight for financial advisors. That actually is a really, really, really good thing in most circumstances. We're so happy to call this woman a friend of ours. Jill Schlesinger, of course, is not only the host of the wildly popular Jill on Money radio show and Jill on Money podcast. She also is CBS business analyst. You'll see her on CBS lately with COVID. I see Jill everywhere all the time. But right now, Jill is back maybe for her, I don't know, what is this, her fourth appearance, maybe fifth appearance on Stacky Benjamins. Jill Schlesinger going to help us with Investing 201 on today's show. And on my dad, Shortwave Radio, it's our friend Jill Schlesinger. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, I'm fantastic. I'm even better, Jill. Now that 500 500 episodes of Jill on Money, my favorite show, by the way. And And I don't know if I've ever said this to you. I've said it to everybody else. Everybody in our community knows my favorite money podcast is Jill on Money. Really? Yeah, you know, I got a lot of I got a lot of competition out there, so I feel like that's a pretty fancy class to be in, and and I so appreciate that. You know, when we started that show, the Jill on Money show, is a radio show, terrestrial radio show. When we started, people said to me, "Ugh, who wants to listen to a show about money for two hours?" <laughs> So I said, well, you know, they're like completely peculiar people out there. It's different though. You know, look, the radio show is similar to the podcast, but I always call them cousins. We have slightly, we have a slightly different show format and it's been quite interesting to sort of see how the audience develops and crosses over back and forth. And the adoption of podcasting, as you know, is so different when we go back in time. I, you know, my started my show the radio show with Mark almost 10 years ago. So it's 500 episodes weekend by weekend. It's been quite a ride. Well, and and if we want to be truthful, it's the radio show that has always been my favorite. Now, of course, that I can get it in 10 to 15 minute increments with just a single question or a single thing. The podcast comes along with me, but I think I've told you before, you go on my long runs with me. I laugh with you, which by the way, in, in commemoration of 500 episodes, I wanted to ask you this. You have answered some crazy questions. There have been times when I've been listening to your show, Jill, and I hear people ask you some of the craziest stuff. Can you think of maybe the craziest question you ever had to answer? Well, I can tell you the best question we ever had. It wasn't really a crazy question. It was just an awesome exchange. And it was with a woman who called into the program and was describing a situation where her father had just passed away and how to honor his memory and use the funds accordingly. And in the telling of her story, 
she said, you know, in my previous career, I just took all the money I, I made and I, I put it up my nose and I drank it. And she stops. She said, I said, oh, really? What did you do for a living? And she said, I was an adult film actress. At which point, you know, I don't miss a beat. And I said, well, then that must have been quite lucrative. And she went on to tell me how much money she made. But this reminds me of a great story about my mother meeting. One of my dad's friends was, you know, had one of those midlife crises and was getting divorced. And they're in a car together meeting the, the guy's girlfriend who was, you know, 25 years younger than he was. So he's 50, she's 25. And my mother says, oh, so, you know, what do you do for a living? And she says, I'm a, I'm a cocktail waitress at the Blankety Blank Hotel. And my mother didn't miss a beat. She goes, that must be very interesting work. And uh, my father said, you know, the best thing about your mother in the whole world is that, that she just would never be thrown off by, like, someone's a cocktail waitress in a hotel slash maybe did other things. She just says, oh, that must be very interesting. So that's how I felt about my porn star, my favorite caller ever. <laughs> Uh, how do I transition from that, Jill? How do you, I, I need the pro I mean, to help me here. We have to... right, here's how I might say it. I might say, um, you know, well, she laid her life bare. Now you, Jill, you, Jill must lay your life bare. Isn't it amazing that I'm allowed? Isn't it unbelievable that I am allowed on broadcast television? I don't know. I, I don't know how, how they found you, but, um, God bless them. Well, speaking of lucrative, how about that for a transition? Nice. I love it. Let's help people go to 201 with their money. So let me set this up. People have already made the decision to save. They've already learned about, let's say, putting money in a mutual fund and investing it versus just uh, putting it in a savings account. But now that we've done that, now that we know just a little bit about diversification and about the fact that maybe the financial markets are a better place to be long-term than a savings account. Let's go to 201. What are the first things people need to know after that to really get on top of their money? The most important thing to remember is that you do not have to be a stock picking or mutual fund picking genius. You just don't. And we in the universe of people who talk about money or in the business of selling financial products and services often make this way more complicated than it need be. That's number one. It's not that complicated. And it absolutely drives me insane when people are like, oh, I'm so bad at math and money. And I say, can you add? Can you subtract? Can you multiply? I won't even ask you to divide. Just those three things. Division would work too. But if you can do those things, then you can actually figure out how to invest. Here's why. You must accept the fact that you are a long-term investor. And as such, you don't need to pick the top or the bottom or the middle of anything. You just have to be diligent and keep plugging away at it. So there you have like your beginning premise. I think the next piece of this is that you really need to understand that fees can eat into your performance in a way that is so clear to any professional investor, but maybe not to somebody who's just starting out. So, you know, if you're going to buy, let's just say, ABC Mutual Fund, and that fund costs 1% a year in terms of the annual expense, that just means that every year you're an investor, you're starting at minus 1% return. So fees can really eat away which is why I like to concentrate on simple solutions at the cheapest possible level. That leads me to passive investing, which is you buy a basket of something. It stays fixed. That basket stays fixed, so it doesn't cost a lot to manage the fund. And you basically just need to buy a few of those passive investments. Those can be index funds like an S&P 500 fund, an international stock index fund. It could be a fund that tracks a real estate basket of securities just has to be something that's cheap. So essentially, if you could keep it simple, be long-term, keep your, your, your expenses down, choose a nice mix. And when I say nice mix, you, you can take a risk assessment. You can kind of figure this out and don't futz with it. You're going to be a successful investor. Funny thing happened that when I used to be an investment advisor a hundred years ago, 
I realized it, all this nonsense about focusing on the actual investments that people have, it's really a waste of time. The most important way for you to achieve your goals is actually to save money. The investing part is actually pretty easy. The hard part is saving. I think my favorite word, by the way, of all time is futz. So thank you for including that. We check that box. And I want to dive into all these things, but I want to start off with what you said about fees, because I also think that's really important. But I think that the financial media spends so much time focusing on fees But you and I see financial media people really lean heavy on fees. And whenever I see that argument, I always think I've met a lot of people who've reached their goal using way too expensive funds that they never should have used. But on the other side, I never see people reach their goals uh, by never saving any money. Yeah, I mean, look, the hard part of financial planning is usually getting over the stuff that is your impediment to reaching your goal. And I think a lot of people seem to think that like, oh, if I just get the most perfect mix of investments together, that will allow me to reach my goals. And in fact, the hard part is you actually have to do something. It's sort of like, it's like weight loss in many respects, right? I can get you to step on the scale and see what the number is. The hard part is I need to have you stop eating so much and exercising more. And that is on you. It doesn't matter whether you're an intermittent faster, you're vegan, you're keto, you're this, you're that, but that you're on some kind of program that you stick to. And when you're looking at financial planning goals, it really does rest on the simple concept of what have you done to make yourself, um, put yourself in a position to succeed And that success is not about spending hours and hours of research on even, as you say, the lowest cost fund, the best mix. It's actually saving and putting stuff on autopilot and getting the money out of your hands before it goes someplace else and being diligent around that. You know, it's a funny thing. I can fix someone's portfolio in five minutes. What I cannot fix is their ability to save. So you have more power in this than you may believe. Let's do that, though. Let's get a little nerdy on uh, how to pick the right investments, even though we just clarified that that probably isn't as important as just saving. Timeframes. Talk to me about what types of investments fit in different timeframes when it comes to goals. Obviously, if you are essentially saving for a longer term goal, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And I think a lot of your listeners may think it sounds crazy to have a 50-year time horizon. But if you are 30 years old, guess what? You have a 50-year time horizon for your investments. I think that it's important to make sure that you have some part of your portfolio that is invested in a way that will deliver returns that actually beat the general level of inflation. That's really what the whole game of investing is about. It's not about piling up money. It's about how can I grow my money to beat the rate of inflation so that when I'm ready to pull that money out, I have more money than I started with after I factored in prices rising. And in many respects, the people who are hyper-focused on stocks are missing out on other diversified asset classes that could help them get where they want to go. So I do think that essentially there's the general asset classes, there's cash, there's fixed income, there's equities, there's real estate, there's commodities. The combination that you choose is the combination that is based on when you need your money and your risk tolerance. For some people... They may say, I have so much money, I don't need to own a stock. I don't care. I have $10 million. I only need a million. And so therefore, I'm going to put all of my money in really safe stuff. That is your choice. That's a choice that most people don't have. But I think what many more people will would realize is that the combination of assets that you own is really predicated on you. It's There is no rule of thumb. When people say to me, no, 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 but just really, just tell me what I should do. What's my rule of thumb? The rule of thumb is based on you. And today, in an environment where you can really look at your own goals and objectives and risk tolerance and pretty much have something that is individualized to what your needs are, it's sort of a, a lame excuse to just use a rule of thumb. And if you're going to use a rule of thumb, then by golly, just use some sort of target date fund that will, or robo-advisor that will do the work for you. 
When it comes to time frame, though, you know, you and I will hear people say, well, I've got three years till I need this house. So do I put my money in an S&P 500 fund? That to somebody like you and I seems ludicrous. But to somebody just starting out, they may not know that that's ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, I don't like risk assets if your time horizon is five years or less. I really don't. I'm not a fan. I'm a wimp. If you are looking at a home down payment, if you are looking at a college tuition payment, you know, you've got fewer than three years, then I would think that you really should keep it safe and you forego the upside. Now, I could be wrong. You know, someone will say to me like, oh, I listened to your stupid advice and guess what? I could have made this much more money and I'm, you're an idiot. It's true. I've had many of those and I'm listening to all of you on your comments about my hair. I, I feel it. You know, what I think is important around your time horizon is that you realize that, yeah, by and large, you're probably going to be fine. You really are. It's probably going to be all right, except when it's not. It's kind of like how I always look at estate planning. Like, you know, you're 30 years old, you're married, you've got kids. It's unlikely you're going to drop dead tomorrow, but you could. And so it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a will or life insurance. It means that you do what you can do to protect yourself. And I think it's the same thing with investing, which is the odds are that nothing horrible is going to happen to you except when it does. And so if you've got a time horizon with less than three years, I just don't think you should put your money at risk. I want to ask you about when people do something really dumb. I heard a rumor that you wrote a book all about people doing dumb things with their money. There is a time when people, when it gets too complicated. Yeah. I mean, I really think that people make their lives way more complicated than they need be. And I also think that many people are their own worst enemies. I just think that you don't need to make yourself crazy. You do need to watch out for the things that essentially are going to get in the way. And those things often are you. I'm going to link back to, by the way, guys, in our show notes page, when Jill and I talked about the dumb things smart people do with their money. It's a fantastic read. And congratulations, Jill, on 500 episodes already of the show. You know what? It's insane. It's insane how time goes by. But what's also great is that the show has morphed. The show has grown. The audience has grown both on the radio and the podcast side. Early in the pandemic, Mark and I, my producer, Mark, who you know, excellent producer, extraordinaire. Mark and I were getting so many emails and we couldn't answer them all. And so I said to him, maybe we should just do this daily. And he's like, okay. And so now, you know, we have a daily, we have a seven day a week podcast. The funniest thing is you'll, this, you know, you hear from your audience all the time. It's like the great gut check. <laughs> so people love the podcast. But it was like exhausting. And I was doing a ton of stuff for CBS. And I said to Mark, you know, we need to put a couple of these episodes in the can and we cannot both be working seven days a week forever. So we do answer emails or have calls five days a week, Monday through Friday, unless maybe I throw a segment in from CBS this morning and the weekends we have an interview. So I might have you on a, as an interviewee, right? I might say, okay, we're, we've got, we've got Mr. Stacking Benjamins himself and we put you on in the weekend. And uh, people say this, well, the interviews are okay, but we'd love to hear more of you and Mark on the weekends too. I'm like, dudes, I get a weekend every now and again. <laughs> Give me more, Jill. Give me more. I mean, Joe is a great guest, but you know, you ever get that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. They're probably yeah. going to say that about me. They're going to be like, Jill's a great guest, but we'd rather have you. Jill's a great guest, but look at that hair. My God. Yeah. Thank God it's radio. Jill Schlesinger, thanks for hanging out with us and talking about Investing 201. I really appreciate it. Can I give one last parting shot on the Investing 201? Bring it. I have been pleasantly surprised by how consistent people are in a time of crisis. And we're recording this six, seven months after the beginning of the lockdown economy began. And I would just like to remind everybody that we all fall prey to our emotions. And so I know that back in March when many of you were worried and you felt like you wanted to sell everything, I was able to, and I think Joe, you probably did this too. You're able to talk people off the ledge and prevent them from doing something stupid. 
And now all these months later, stock's so much higher that the greed monster's back in your life. You know, fear was back in March. Greed comes, you know, essentially in August and beginning of September. And I just want you to know that we all feel these emotions, but we don't have to succumb to them. So if you are feeling like you're going to do something stupid to your financial life, call Joe, call me, send an email, like we're your lifelines. I think that that's something that I have realized is like a very, it's sort of an honor to be in this position, but we, you, Joe and I, like we are the kind of people like we're doing this. We want to make a living. It's great, but we're not doing this only to make a living. We're also doing this because we like you and we want to help you. So reach out when you need help. Hey, trivia fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it's been really great to spend time with Joe up here in Vermont. And lo and behold, it's National Good Neighbor Day. And unlike Joe, I'm actually a good neighbor, and I prefer to tell my favorite neighbors when I'm up and selling my house. You know, like polite people. I don't do crazy things like make them drive across the continental United States just to find me. But before I tell you all about how I'm going to be the best neighbor up here in the Green Mountains, let's get to today's trivia. The question is, what Chinese philosopher, the same guy who came up with the idea of the golden rule, never heard of it, was born on this date in 551 BC? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can get all profound on me. Welcome to a new segment we call The Money Minute with Rachel. I'm Rachel, a certified money coach. My mama said I'd never get this job because that time they repoed my car. But who said you have to be good with money to be a coach? Not me, you know what I'm saying. Okay, so let's get down to those little brass tacks. Do you want more money in your life? Do you? Today, I'd like to help you concentrate on saving more money. Ready? I knew you could. Just like my daddy told my brother when he shot out the TV, if your aim is straight, you'll hit it every time. Look at you. You're now a money-concentrating pro. And yes, before you ask, I am certified. I got it from the Southwest Bahama State University and Technical Institute Internet Degree Program. See you next time. Yo, 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 basement dwellers. It is I, the best neighbor in the land, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And to prove just how good of a neighbor I am, here are some of the things I'm going to do for some of our new neighbors here in Stowe, Vermont. Everybody likes holiday carolers, right? Well, I'm going to start a new tradition of caroling in September and bring some delightful music to our neighbor's ears. I mean, what's better than when a random group of people just show up at your door making noise? It's awesome. Oh, and everybody likes clean cars, right? Well, I'm going to surprise the neighbors and wash their cars for them. I'm sure nothing brings you joy more than watching a complete stranger, somebody you've never met, clean your car right before your eyes. And last but not least, did uh, somebody say mixed tapes? Yeah, this guy. That's right. I'm going to make mixtapes for everyone in the neighborhood. Not only am I the presidential favorite, hashtag Doug2020, but I'm also the neighbor everyone has dreamt of. Yeah, you're welcome, Vermont. I finally got here as soon as I could. Believe me. Now, it's time for the most neighborly action a guy could take, getting you today's trivia answer. I, uh, I got it here somewhere. Oh, okay. Here, here it is. Here it is. Seems that the question was what Chinese philosopher, the same guy who came up with the idea of this thing called the golden rule. Uh, he was apparently born on this date in 551 BC. If you guessed Confucius, then you'd be right. Just like Confucius said, I'm going to practice this golden rule and be the neighbor we all wish Joe would be. I'm off for some late September surprise car washes and some merry caroling. See ya! Hey, 
how long do you think that it takes Doug to actually listen to the show after he sends us his part of the show? He's been doing this remotely so much lately. Like if he, if he were listening at all, he probably listens as much as I do. <laughs> he probably, probably does. By the way, nice job on the Confucius. Good work. I find it hard to believe that we actually know that he was born on September 28th, but whatever. <laughs> somebody, somebody just said, so Earl, what day, what day you think it, it was September 28th? I guess if you're wrong, be wrong strong, right? <laughs> Just own own it. If you say it with a lot of conviction, people will never question whether it's right or wrong. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency put what you value first. Ooh, you know what? Mrs. OG was just talking about Halloween. And uh, we're going to do something a little special for the adults in the neighborhood we're going to have a like a bowl of candy that's for the adults too. Only it's mini liquor bottles. So <laughs> I just think that that's a heck of an idea. So we're going to do that. I thought you were going to say I, you're going to let the adults wear a mask this year too. That's what you're going to do. Everybody I always gets get dressed up. You know, everybody's talking about Halloween. Like, oh, I don't know if we can have Halloween. How can you not have Halloween? Like, everyone is wearing a mask. <laughs> everybody's like, already there. It should be freaking Halloween the whole rest of the year. Like, every day you should be like, hey, guys, you want to go trick-or-treating? All right, yay. We put on our masks and we go outside. <laughs> like, it's perfect. Fantastic. The two things Haven Life says you value, by the way, besides Halloween, are your loved ones and your time. And that's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now for a free quote. Their application, it's simple. It's online. You'll get an instant coverage decision. They have affordable prices. All policies are issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than 160-year-old insurer. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our new friend, Jordan. Say hi, Jordan. Hey, Dave. What? What do you mean Dave's not available? Okay, I guess I'll try this again. Hey, Paula. Oh, come on. You have to have a Nobel Peace Prize to get on her podcast? All right. Well, since the other two weren't available, hey, Joe and OG, this is Jordan. I had a question. Since COVID and the lockdown has started, my car has been sitting in my driveway collecting dust or whatever it is that's outside. I've been thinking about downsizing. We have my wife's minivan. So is it practical to have a, be a one-car family for right now since I'm working at home for the foreseeable future? Looking forward to hearing your answer. Uh, T-shirt size is large tall, so if you can have Doug sewed like a medium onto the bottom of a normal tall, that'd be great. Thanks, guys. Order up for Jordan. Order up for Jordan. Hey, Jordan, thanks for the message. And by the way, just to be clear here, I know that our good friend Paula does listener questions as well, but our questions, our Haven Lifeline, way more popular than Paula's little call in once a month. I'm on that show and I'm happy to be on that show. Just saying way, way bigger deal to be on here and different than, than Dave. We're not going to yell at you, Jordan. Damn it, Jordan. We're not going to yell at you. Why do you have two cars? Why would you even think about having two cars? Jordan? <laughs> Losers have two cars that don't have at least 300,000 miles on them. No. Uh, hey, let's talk about uh, cars. So he's got cars gathering dust. What do you think, OG? Sure, get rid of it. The question is, so then what? What happens when you go back to work? What you don't want to do is get into the situation where you get rid of a perfectly good used car and turn around and end up buying a brand new one later. You know, that's that's kind of foolish. But um if you're not using a, a, the extra vehicle or for the times that you do need an extra vehicle, you can, you can solve that by riding a bike or getting an electric scooter or call an Uber or Lyft or whatever, then I don't see why you wouldn't put a little cash in your pocket right now, or maybe more specifically set it aside for the next thing, but you're going to lower the costs of, of upkeep. You're going to make sure that uh, you don't have any surprise gremlins when you go to start your car, like birds that took, you know, residence in the <laughs> undercarriage or cats or something, you know, um, you don't have the insurance and all that sort of stuff. I don't know why you wouldn't do that. I think two things 
my favorite question lately that I've asked myself when it comes to any of this stuff is toward what end? Because to your point, OG, often we do stuff because it, it seems good or it's what we've always heard or it's what we think we believe. And then you say, but where does this actually lead me? Mm -hmm. So keeping a car around that you don't drive, where does that option lead you? And on the other side, not having that car available, where does that leave you? Are you within commuting distance where you can ride your bike? I mean, one of my favorite parts of the Mr. Money Mustache brand is an example. He's a popular blogger in the space. Mr. Money Mustache rides his bike everywhere, lives in an area where he can do that for most of his commuting. And in fact, I have served on a board that builds walking trails around town back when I lived in Texarkana. And do you know that most commutes using a car are less than a mile? So uh, uh, you can easily ride your bike or walk to those places. If that's you, if you're out in the middle of the country, it might be something different. But I think you have to ask yourself toward what end. I think, OG, if you start with what makes you happy, what sparks joy, Jordan? Oh, boy. It's Confucius's birthday. Come on, we got to get a little philosophical here. But if it makes you happy, then do it. But but you're right. At the very least, the OG, if he knows he's not going to drive that thing for a few months, I would call the insurance company and get the insurance taken off it while you're not going to drive it. Just make sure that, oh, it's just this one time, just an emergency. Don't fall into that trap because how many times have we heard something bad happen? Right. Yeah, when- you're talking about the comprehensive or collision insurance, rather. Yeah. Trying to take the collision off of it. The other thing that I'd add too is if you have a car with a car payment on it and it's sitting there, oh, that's even that's even worse. You know, if it's if it doesn't have a payment on it and it's just sitting there, eh, whatever. I can see the justification of keeping it, you know, if you're not going to drive it for the next little bit. But if it's got a payment, I don't know why you don't sell it, write the check and get out of there, you know, especially for the like you said for the foreseeable future. What is that? 6 months? Is it a year? Just think about all the money that you could save in payments. If you're the average guy that's got $500 a month car payment, that's $6,000. That's a lot of money. Thanks for the question, Jordan. Good news for you, too. Mom's friend Gertrude is going to send you out a code, and you can tell our friend Brad Lark, who makes our shirts, uh, to go ahead and stitch on a medium (laughs) on a large. You met Brad. How's Brad going to take that, OG? Probably in a guitar solo. He probably will. (laughs) I can't do it, Jordan. I can't do it. Yeah, good stuff. By the way, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash shirts, and you can see all of the cool Stacking Benjamin swag, including Doug 2020 shirts. That reminds me, time for us to go take out the trash. Big thanks to everybody for hanging out with us today. Are we going to take out the papers also? That's your job. Or what? <laughs> You're acting like I'm I'm setting this stuff up. Or we don't get no spending cash. I was going to say, you talk to mom. You tell her you're not doing it. <sighs> Darn. You said you got to take out the trash. I said, are we going to take out the papers? Take out the papers and oh. the trash. Or what? Or we don't get no. Yakety yak. Don't come back. Cash. Don't okay. talk back. It's don't talk back, right? Now you're showing up to the analogy. I'm you know? sorry. It's it's you rolling out the old guy crap today, not me. <laughs> for once, it's not Len or I rolling out the old guy songs. What is that song's from like 1954? I don't even know. Some year. If only we had a device where we could look that up. But no. Hey, uh, Doug's got a lot of people to thank today for this episode. But a big thanks to you for spending time with us today. You can spend more time with us, hanging out with us in our Facebook group, The Basement. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash basement gets you right to that group. You can also spend time talking headlines with us at the Stacking Benjamins page when uh, Bobby Rebell and I go on. OG and I have a huge event coming up in November. You can also hang out with us on the Stacker email and you'll find out first about our big, big, big event Uh, which we're going to roll out here in the next month. You'll be hearing more about that. Lots of ways to reach us. But if you need to reach OG and his team for better financial planning in your corner, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG, and that will give you the link to his team's calendar. And you can see how his team can interface with you and your team to make better financial decisions in 2021. Put the plan together this year so you're rolling into January ready to go. All right, Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? 
Sure thing, Joe. I'll give you a hand. First, take a lesson from our headlines. Holding money? Well, turns out that's as lucrative a business as making coffee. Second, take a lesson from Jill Schlesinger. Of course, it's most important to take action and get started in your investments. But once you've got the hang of the investment basics, as Jill says, there's value to moving to the next stage of your investing and set up a plan that's catered to you and your needs. But the big takeaway? That f***er moved again. Where the hell are you now, Saul Hi. Special thanks to Jill Schlesinger for joining Joe on the shortwave radio today. You can find Jill's podcast, Jill on Money, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Also, we'll have a link on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I really thought doing these credits completely naked would have been a lot more fun than it actually was. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. I'm going to seal this envelope to send my part to Joe here and... Oh, oh, yeah, here's an address. Wait, what the... California, Joe? I just offered my mixtape to some old ranty guy here in Vermont. Turns out he's running for election, too. Dude was crazy. I couldn't get a word in edgewise. He's waving his hands all over the place. His hair's all crazy. Told me I should just give away my mixtapes. Just give them away. Why didn't I think of that? Sizzler and mixtapes for everybody. Hashtag Doug 2020. I thought I was going to talk about uh, that Tom Hanks movie, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. But I did, just last night, finish season one of a little show that came out last year called The Boys. The greatest superhero team the world's ever seen, The Seven. Anything I can help you with? I'm not gonna piss you about, Chewie. I heard what happened to Robin. You ain't alone, son. Soups lose hundreds of people each year to collateral damage. I can't stop. I can't stop. Robin! They were my fitness on the front page. That's where I mean the boys are coming. I never wanted to ever be over. Spank the when they get out of line. Can you control her, please? You need to unclench your Why don't you two carry on like a bunch of twins? We got a job to do. I'm invincible, stupid mother. I'm the world's greatest superhero. I can do whatever the I want. We're on the verge of nailing these wankers. I'm done. Oi, what's sporty spice up? Hey, OG, you want some explosions? You want some gunfights? Well, the boys brings it with a different take on superheroes than you're going to get from the Marvel universe. The boys is the story of the real superhero franchise that are marketed by this big, huge corporation called Vaughn. 
and Vaughn has kind of a minor league of superheroes. And then they have the seven, which are their big, huge justice league group of superheroes. And as you heard early in that clip, sadly, superheroes create a bunch of collateral damage. One of them being this uh, boy, Huey's girlfriend, Robin, they're holding hands and a superhero who runs really fast called a train accidentally runs right through her and Huey is left holding her arms while her blood and her body is all over the street. By the way, this is an incredibly graphic show. I was going to say, this doesn't sound like a normal superhero. No. And you heard Steve beep out about 17 F-bombs there. This is not for your kids. And it is very cynical and sarcastic. It starts off by talking about TV ratings And whenever anybody does anything, uh, every superhero has a social media manager who's looking at uh, how many likes things have. They, of course, are all about selling their toys and their movies while they're out while they're out saving people. And by the way, the whole reason they're saving people has nothing to do with helping the universe. It has to do with helping the Vaughn stock price stay up. And so you get this you get this great corporate view of what a superhero is. And because of that. The seven, this group of heroes, range everywhere from just completely incompetent dorks like a guy named The Deep, who is their version of Aquaman, to shrewd, absolutely ugly people like the number one superhero, a gentleman named Homelander. And everything in between. the, the, The superheroes are not people you would like. They are all in it for them, their own selfish reasons. And uh, the boys, this group of vigilantes who's getting together to stop superheroes from causing so much collateral damage. Now, after this first ugly scene early in the show of Huey's girlfriend getting killed involves this guy, Huey. I was captivated. I was completely, is this an 80s term to say you were grossed out? I was, Mm -hmm. I was so grossed out through much of this show, but I couldn't stop watching it. It was really, really fun. You have to be okay with a ton of violence and a ton of people doing things that you would not expect. And I even told Cheryl that the show made me nervous half the time, (laughs) just made me, made me cringe so much of the time, but we finished a season one. I can't wait to get into season two. I love this different view of superheroes as not necessarily being the good guys. And by the way, the good guys in here, the boys, they're not really good guys either. Everybody's a little tainted, but it's not quite as cynical as House of Cards. House of Cards, I had to stop. House of Cards, I had to stop watching because it was so dark. I never finished it through House of Cards because it got so cynical and so dark. I'm like, I can't watch this. I just, I can't do it. At least through the boys, I'm laughing while I'm alternately disgusted and thinking about how gross things are and watching shoot 'em up scenes. And, uh, and I'm serious. Every second of this show, I feel like somebody's going to die. You've got these two people talking to each other. And in every scene, I think one of these two people is going to die. And, and, and by the way, they're just having a normal chat. They're just having a normal everyday discussion. And I'm like, yeah, something's about to happen. 99% of the time, nothing does. But the threat of it happening makes it a sit on the edge of your seat. Sounds like a Deadpool. It is It is Deadpool that's not quite so funny, and it's much darker. Much, wow. much darker than Deadpool. Than Deadpool. All right. Yeah, yeah. But the boys, big big thumb up for me. Your, your love of this may vary. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is... Military Appreciation Month, and I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees 
are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy federal website, resources like best cities after service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 